0: The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit GeorgiaFaith.com. Thank you for listening. I remember my first day as a part-time server in a fine dining restaurant not far from the seminary. I was nervous. I had just finished a four-week training program and one of the things I learned was how to properly pour wine, from which direction and with which hand. I was nervous because I couldn't remember which way was right. And there was a lot of other things that I should have known and should have done that I couldn't remember. The first day on the job was nerve-wracking. It brought up some doubts, it brought up some questions, ones like, can I even do this? Can I even be successful at this? I thought about that when I was reading about Peter's first day on the job. I wondered whether he and those first disciples had similar nerves. There was a lot to do. A lot to remember. After all, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. We know that all nations is no small task, but for them, back then, it was even bigger. For us in the 21st century, going to a different nation is relatively easy. You just go to the airport, get on a plane, you're there within a few hours. But for those first disciples, all nations was... A little bit more involved you want to go to a different country you better start walking and you better join up with the nearest trade caravan that had an armed escort because the road was long and it wasn't always safe those first disciples had a nerve-wracking job ahead of them what questions do you think they had on their first day What doubts might they have had? What reassurances did they have? On my first day as a server, I had the reassurance of four weeks of training and a very helpful, very understanding, and very patient manager. I survived. The disciples? Well, they had someone even better. They had someone who had promised to not only be with them every step of the way, but who promised to empower them, to give them the exact tools they needed to be successful. Because in this job, it's not just them who would be working. It would be God working through them. Before Jesus ascended, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And after a short time, he would send his spirit who would empower them. And then Jesus was gone. Two angels had to show up and tell the disciples to get moving because they were just staring up into the sky. But they did exactly what Jesus said. They waited in Jerusalem. And they didn't have to wait long. Ten days. Just ten days after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came. And it couldn't have had better timing. The Holy Spirit came at the beginning of the Festival of Weeks, the day of Pentecost. For generations, devout Jewish people traveled from all over the then-known world back to Jerusalem 50 days after the celebration of the Passover. They went back to celebrate this festival in which they would offer the first fruits of the wheat harvest as an offering to God as a sacrifice of thanks and praise. It was a big festival, and Jerusalem was full of people. The timing couldn't have been better because God had something big planned. All of Jesus' disciples were gathered together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. A sound of wind, not actual wind. Actual wind could have easily been dismissed as just a random gust of wind. Not this. This was something more. This was miracle number one leading up to the big reveal. God didn't want there to be any shred of doubt. This was a divine and direct and mighty act of God himself to let the disciples know that something amazing was about to happen. Then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Seemed to be fire, not actual fire. No, this was something more. This was heavenly fire. Fire that purified, that sanctified, that showed the presence of God going to each of the disciples. This was miracle number two, leading up to the big reveal. This was God acting in a mighty and direct way To show each and every one of those disciples that something even more amazing was about to happen to each and every one of them. The sound of wind. The sights of fire. These were just the beginning. They were the lead-up to the main event. The big reveal. The point of Pentecost. All of them were filled With the Holy Spirit. Don't let the simplicity of that statement take away from its meaning. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This was huge. It was a fulfillment of Jesus' promise, which really shouldn't come as a surprise. God always keeps his promises. But more than that, this miracle was proof. That Jesus' work had accomplished the goal. Now, God dwelled in the hearts of believers. What once was closed off and decrepit, unable of being anywhere near God, was now filled with the Holy Spirit, who, just as Jesus promised, would dwell, would help, would inspire and would empower. Empower what, exactly? Who would benefit from this main event miracle? The church. The Holy Christian Church, the Church of the New Testament that was born on that day of Pentecost. This main event miracle was the beginning of God working exclusively through believers. To share his message of salvation, the wonders of God, the good news of Jesus. This was the beginning of God's word being shared with anyone and everyone. And God did it in a big way. He miraculously allowed all of those disciples to declare the wonders of God in the languages of every visitor and resident of Jerusalem and it caught their attention. It drew a crowd of thousands. Here's the point. The gospel is for everyone. No one is exempt. Before Jesus' earthly ministry, the word of God was kept mostly in-house within the nation of Israel. But now, Now, as part of God's master plan, that message is shared with every nation, tribe, people, and language. What had separated people for for years and generations and thousands of years, language, culture, upbringing, hometown, suddenly all of those walls were knocked down. The point of Pentecost is this. The gospel overcomes it all because the gospel is for everyone. The power of the gospel does more than just bring different people together, though. We know that the power of the gospel takes those who were dead and gives them life. From the rest of Scripture, we know that People, naturally, are spiritually dead, hopeless, separated from God. In Ezekiel's vision, we saw that people are not unlike piles of scattered, crumbling bones in a valley that's long been stained with blood. But we also know that the power of the gospel doesn't just pull those bones together and gives them flesh. The power of the gospel, the real miracle, is that it takes those lifeless bodies, makes them alive, gives them breath, and turns them into triumphant soldiers in God's kingdom of eternity. Brothers and sisters, that message with that life-giving power is the same exact message that you and I have. We have the same job, the same call, the same mission. And just as Jesus promised his Holy Spirit to Peter and those first disciples, we know that this, that wasn't the end. Jesus promises his Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit who dwells in each of us and works in the exact same way. Now, if you're thinking, well, how? Peter walked and talked with Jesus. He got a little bit of that so-called fire. Go straight to him. How are we the same? Well, yeah, Peter walked and talked with Jesus. That's true. But who was Peter before he met Jesus. He was a fisherman. Luke, the author of Acts, was a doctor. Matthew was a government worker that was despised by his fellow Jews. Paul was an enemy of the church, who ordered the death of Christians. Timothy was young and innocent and didn't really know much. Abraham was old. David was the youngest son of a shepherd. Didn't really have an inheritance. Moses was a murderer. Here's my point. To be in the kingdom of God, to share his message, to work in the harvest field of this world, there's no... Previous experience required. No, it's all an arrow pointing down act of God. The only tools you need are the very tools that God Himself provides the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart through faith and the gospel. That's why we celebrate Pentecost. Not so we, we can gather the first fruits offerings for, for a wheat festival. No, because there's a different harvest. And on the day of Pentecost, ten days after Jesus ascended, that harvest began. The harvest of souls as God the Holy Spirit made his dwelling in the hearts of believers. And it didn't end there. God the Holy Spirit dwells in the hearts of all believers, young and old, male and female. Then. And now, me and you. And what does that dwelling look like? I don't know if you were expecting to see tongues of fire or hear the sound of rushing wind, but friends, those were just the lead-up to the main event miracle. The real miracle was the coming of the Holy Spirit. Being poured out into the hearts of believers and there making his dwelling. In us, the Holy Spirit dwells through faith. And just as he empowered those first disciples, so he empowers us in the exact same way. He's at work in us. What kind of work? The prophet Joel listed a few ways to put it prophesying, seeing visions, dreaming dreams. The writers of the New Testament put it a different way. They use the word evangelizing. Luther said it was the word burning in the hearts of believers who now have a knowledge of God through Christ. All of those mean the same thing the work is sharing the gospel. And what does that work look like? What does it sound like? Look to the people sitting next to you. Look to the people sitting around you. Remember the sounds of the hymn we just sang, the words of the readings we just heard. Think about the confession that we're about to make. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't get any simpler and it doesn't get any more meaningful. The Holy Spirit is at work in us when we worship our Savior, when we sing and shout and share His gospel. But it's more than just what happens in church on Sunday mornings. The Holy Spirit is at work in us when we comfort a loved one. When we reassure a a grieving friend. When we tell the little children that Jesus loves them. He's at work in us when we live and laugh and love in the light of the good news that we've come to cherish more than everything else. The Holy Spirit is at work in us when we tell people that despite their brokenness, despite our own brokenness, Jesus, the Son of God, came down from heaven, became fully human to live and to endure the filth that we've come to know, the despair that we've come to dread, the failures we run from, and the sadness we suffer. He did it all to prove, to show that he loves us in spite of our brokenness. And he came to fix that brokenness, to repair the relationship with God that we had shattered all the way back in Eden. This is the gospel. The big job is sharing it with our world. We might ask ourselves, can I even do this? Can I even be successful at this? Paul stood up, or Peter stood up and preached to thousands, and the Holy Spirit brought thousands to faith. How can I live up to that? Remember this. The power of God that backed Peter on that day of Pentecost is the same power that backs you and me. Peter stood up and preached to thousands because at the perfect time, God made it happen that thousands were looking at him. Who's looking at you? Whose attention do you have? As you stand with Peter and the eleven and the rest of those first disciples and all of God's people that have come after them, as you stand on the rock-solid foundation of the good news of Jesus, with whom will you share these simple yet meaningful words? All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.